I went to the bank the next day and applied for an SBA loan of $17,500. Got it a day later, cashed the entire thing out in 20s, packed it in a backpack, bought a flight to LA, and then we leave. And I remember thinking to myself, I hope that he doesn't accept this so that I can just put this money back in the bank and like undo all of this because this is like so much risk, it makes my stomach hurt. This week on the Colin and Smear podcast, we're joined by a guest, which is something that hasn't happened in a while. We're joined by Eric Decker, AKA Air Rack. He's a YouTube creator that started this year with 50 YouTube subscribers. And today he has over 500,000. He's had explosive growth on the platform this year, and his mission is to get to 1 million YouTube subscribers by the end of the year. And in order to get there, he's had to do some pretty crazy things, including taking out a $17,000 loan to pay for one single video. He's one of the most committed creators we've come across, and we definitely feel like he has what it takes to get to a million subs, and probably even much further than that. And once you hear this episode, I think you'll agree with us on that as well. If you aren't familiar with his videos, just type in Airac on YouTube. That's A-I-R-R-A-C-K. I'd recommend that you watch his couch series. That'll give you a pretty good understanding of who he is on the platform. This episode is also being recorded on our brand new podcasting gear, which is so awesome. Rode sent us a bunch of new podcasting gear, which also allows us to film the podcast, which is really cool. We're filming it out of our new studio, and we uploaded the full video of this podcast to our new YouTube channel, which is the Colin and Samir podcast YouTube channel. That's right. We're starting a second channel for this podcast. We can start uploading video clips there. Our goal is to eventually launch a Patreon where we can have exclusive content clips and videos for our Patreon community. And that's something that we want to develop with all of you. So we'd love your thoughts and feedback on it. You can actually head over to the podcast YouTube channel now. The link is in the description for this podcast. It's on our Twitter. And it's also just searchable if you search the Colin and Samir podcast on YouTube. You can put your thoughts in the comments there. What do you think about the video versions of our podcast? Should we do full-length episodes on YouTube? Should we do clips? And what would you want to see behind the paywall on our Patreon? Lastly, before we get into the episode, if you are interested in our online storytelling course, it's available now on Moments website. We go through everything that we've learned in the past 10 years on YouTube about storytelling and brainstorming ideas that build audiences. Thanks again to everyone who has already signed up for the course. It's so cool to see all of you guys in the Slack channel and really build a community around telling better stories on YouTube. We also have a code that's exclusive to this podcast. It's tell better stories, all one word, all lowercase. That gives you 10% off at checkout. The link for our course is in our description and it's also linked in the bio of our Instagram. All right. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast featuring Eric. All right, man, you're our first guest on this podcast. I feel so honored to be the first guest on the Colin Samir. Wait, what is this one called? I mean, you're not the first guest ever, yeah. and this is the Colin and Samir podcast. Okay. So <laughs> I, yeah, was I, guess, say. I guess we should have told you, like, yeah. welcome, you're on the Colin and Samir podcast. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, you're but not the first guest, wasn't... but you're the first guest with our new set. Yeah. Nice, yeah. dude. Well, welcome to the set, guys. You're the first guest in video form. We've never had a podcast in video form. This is the first video form podcast ever. ever. Yes. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, well, yeah, you guys yeah. are getting a real uh, visual treat here because we're inside of one of the most beautiful studio spaces. I can attest to that in person. Uh, if it looks good on camera, it looks even better in person. So, wow. It's very nice of you. So, um, welcome to LA. Thank you're, you. You're officially moved to LA. I'm officially moved to LA. You're also probably officially now a YouTube creator. Yeah. That's weird <laughs> to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I watched you, I just told you before we started podcasting, but I started watching you back in February. And I think mm -hmm. you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you just start 
uploading YouTube videos then? Or had you been uploading YouTube videos and you were like, now I'm going to take it seriously? Um, that was, I had started, I started in January, start uploading videos. So January I had 50 subscribers or something so like that, that. Literally your first YouTube upload to the current channel that you have was in yeah. January of this year. Yeah, that's eight correct. months ago. Yeah, that's correct. And yeah. where are you at now in your trajectory? Uh, I mean, we definitely have more than 50 subscribers. I think we, we just passed uh, 500,000. We're like 520 ish. Uh, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a, it's been a steep uphill build. So what happened back in January? What clicked for you where it was just um, time to start going on YouTube? Yeah, man, I come from a production background. So I have a, a production company that I sort of like built up to be like sort of automated in the background. And I always wanted to do YouTube. I've wanted to do YouTube since I was like in fifth grade, but it's never made sense for me like financially. So the idea for me was like build something that like pays my bills and then jump over to YouTube as soon as possible. And the year for me, like 2020 was the year, like I cannot emotionally go through another year without doing this thing that I want to be doing. Um, so yeah, with like 50 subscribers and like 2,000 Instagram followers, I was like, all right, this is the year that we're going to do this thing. What a year to select because like you, yeah. like in a strange way, this has been a great year for yeah. creators Yeah, just because people are at home watching more content. You have more time to focus on content. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming your production company slowed down. Oh, hugely in a huge, huge, huge way. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like, you know, can be interpreted as a blessing in disguise because I became a lot less busy with that uh, and, and you know, sort of got a lot more time to work on this, so. Yeah, it's well, kind of like like the ultimate constraint in yeah. a way that you maybe didn't even really have a choice. Yeah. Right? It's like, what else am I going to do right now? Absolutely, and it was crazy to see the YouTube channel build and be able to actually like pay for some of the payroll for the people that I wouldn't otherwise be able to pay for at that company. Through YouTube. Through YouTube, right. So you're paying the production companies payroll through YouTube. Uploads. I have in the last, in, uh, over the last few, like the hardest months of COVID, I was using this other company that was birthed out of the production company to pay for the original company, which was wild. What does the production company do? Uh, so it's a wedding video and photo company. Uh, and basically, uh, I'm not going to get too far into it, but uh, basically we book weddings in like 15 different cities around the US. And then we fulfill and find talent to actually mm -hmm. film and photo shoot those weddings, send it back to us. We have a full-time editor who edits all that kind of stuff. So um, no labor on my end. It's more of just a, a subcontracted sort of Super company. smart. Weddings, I'm getting married. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Wedding video yeah. sells at a premium. Like oh, a yeah. serious premium. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. was like, wow. And yeah. the turnaround times, I don't yeah. know what you guys promised, but yeah. the turnaround times that I got were like three months. Yeah. And I was like, what? You're yeah. gonna, I'm not even gonna remember what happened. Like, yeah. you're gonna give me my edited video three months later? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll give you a little sales pitch right here. here we this go. is one of our biggest, uh, um, what do you call that? Your uh, competitive advantage. Okay. We, we, we do something called the 48 hour wedding film, mm. which means that the photographer or videographer will shoot your wedding and it will be overnight FedEx to our editing office and we will have your film back to you in only 48 business hours. Full film or Full like an film. Instagram cut. Full film. Oh wow. wow, that's pretty good, man. Yeah, lots of systems and processes, but that's been sort of our claim to fame in the space. How old are you? I'm tw uh, just turned 23. Did you get a call? Did you go to college? I, uh, I was in college for like, a year and then dropped out. Interesting. Where, where did you go? Uh, the small university called university of North Georgia, terrible high school grades. I had a dive scholarship that was going to get me into like some good colleges by this series of events, completely mess it up. Like at the dive competition, that's going to qualify me for all these scholarships. Um, basically my grades aren't good enough to get into any co like prestigious college whatsoever and end up at like a community college for a year. Um, and the goal was I want to build a six figure company 
so that I can justify leaving school. Cause I'm not going to leave school if I have nothing to leave it for. So the goal was between freshman and sophomore year, I'm going to build something that makes a hundred thousand dollars in a year. And once I do that, then I can then justify to my parents why I'm no longer doing this. So that was kind of the goal. And that happened with the wedding. Yeah, that production happened with company. the wedding business. Yeah, so you happened. had a production background at the time or you had to teach yourself how to- Oh no, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. There, you can find them on YouTube somewhere, but I, uh, we, I booked out all, I sold all these wedding videos just because, just from talking to people and driving around. Um, and then I, but I had no idea how to really shoot great video. So I made vlogs for like three months straight to just like every single day, make myself learn how to edit video, what looks good and just train myself with my camera. And is that cause you were just watching YouTube and like you were into YouTube? Yeah, oh my God. Like I've always been super into YouTube. And at the time, like Casey was this huge, yeah. huge thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna make freaking identical Casey videos. And that's what they were. I wonder how many creators are currently creating based on Casey Neistat. So uh, many people, yeah. It's gotta be a huge number. Massive number. Huge number. Because I mean, we we're, incredibly influenced by Casey, yeah. um, or stop everything. Like, I mean, like he, he was kind of this, the first iteration of a YouTube creator where like, for me, I was like, I want to be like that because yeah. he was sophisticated, mature, an entrepreneur, business owner, family man. Like it was all the things yeah. and he was able to capture it in a way that was so radical. Like he yeah. was like a rock star. Yes. He was a rock star, but he also focused a lot on the mundane. Like mm -hmm. I think before he started mm. taking like first class flights, Mm. and doing some crazy things. He also was just filming everyday life, but doing it in a way that made it feel like he was a rock star. Mm -hmm. And I think when everyone looked at their everyday life, it was like, oh, well, I get pizza at this shop. I have mm -hmm. a UPS guy. I go on a run. I, I go yes. on a run. Like, yeah. what's so different about my life? Yeah. It's, in it's, a way, It's right? funny that you say that because I remember going to New York when I was like 18 and going to his office space. And dude, I went to the $1 pizza place. Yeah. And it's the most mundane thing, but I felt like I was in a movie set. I see Marlon, yeah. the UPS guy. Yep. I could. I took a picture with him. I'm taking selfies of myself in the most mundane. Dude, with his UPS, man, it's the most mundane thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's made it into the most interesting movie set of all time, and that's just his life. I remember going to um, his space and really feeling the first time we went there that it, we mm. were on a movie set. I remember that feeling. You guys like have been in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been in uh, 368, so cool. not upstairs. Okay. Not in his office. But... but like we've been in 368, um, we've spent some time there, but really looking up at his office, you're like, that's a museum. Yes. Like that's like a relic. Like, Absolutely. I don't know, that's like YouTube history. I always say like in a lot of my videos, I'm with different like celebrities and influencers and this, that, and the other. But I always say like, if I ever met Casey, mm. it's the one person I probably could, I, I should not meet him because I might, I would just clam up. I wouldn't know what to say. Yep. It's happened to yeah, us. It happened to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> what were you guys doing when he started? Uh, at that time, we were running the lacrosse network. Yeah, cool. Um, we were probably a few years into the lacrosse network, but we were aware of Casey Pryor because of his work with Nike. Mm -hmm. And Nike was our North Star brand at yeah. lacrosse network. And we looked at everything. And when we saw his video that he did with Nike, it mm -hmm. kind of gave us this feeling of, oh, we could work with Nike mm -hmm. too. If they're working with YouTube creators, like we could come up with out of the box ideas on YouTube to work with these big brands. And early on, when we started on YouTube, it was 2000. 11, 2012. Mm -hmm. So there's no proven model that you could make money on YouTube outside of Jenna Marbles and um, Epic Meal Time. Sure. Like those were the yeah, big ones crazy. and they were making money on AdSense, but there's no brand integrations. There's no mm -hmm. model. And mm -hmm. like my dad's an entrepreneur and he was like, what are you selling? <laughs> like, how does yeah. this work? Yeah. Um, it's confusing. It's very confusing. And yeah. I didn't know really, but when I saw Casey's deal with Nike, I was like, that's how it works. Uh, and it's absolutely. cool. 
like there's and a lifestyle really cool. involved yeah. with that. Like yes. we're we're fans of advertising and now, okay, we're involved in a similar type of business mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a cool business to be a part of. You can be in the ads yourself. Mm-hmm. Like when he did his Mercedes CLA project, a four part series where he's making an ad and yeah. giving you the behind the scenes of the ad. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. And they're not filmed on C- C500s and reds and this, no, thing. he was shooting stuff on point and shoots. He, yeah. he made this like square point and shoot look so cool. Yeah. Like whenever he would walk up to a mirror and yeah. show it, I was like, I want that camera. Absolutely. Uh, dude. So yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to explore is just how many creators were so inspired by that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's, a, I, I talked to Thomas Bragg at Yes Theory about this, that even he, you know, them as well, Thomas cites Casey a lot in his, how he learned how to make videos is he would watch Casey and be like, okay, let me try that. Um, and I think a lot of creators, like th- there's a stigma around like, don't be, don't, imitate or copy people. But I think when you're starting, you have to copy something. You have to be inspired by something to at least get your hands on a camera, get your hands on some editing software. Like, like what you just said, you vlogged and tried to make stuff like Casey that has led you to today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but if you were too hesitant to be like, I don't want to copy someone, like you have to have a model for what you're making at first, then you develop your own unique style over time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you then, um, you're vlogging, how do you land on weddings? Is, are you just like, that's a good business? <laughs> is that? Uh, I definitely, I definitely think I'm like business first mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the YouTube stuff is in, in the video stuff and is kind of second, but like marketing a business is like what fascinates me. Mm-hmm. So I think I would basically my daily routine when I was doing that was I would go to school as early in the morning as possible. I would go to my job at Home Depot and then I would get off there at like 2 PM and I would change clothes in my car. And then I would just go walk around to businesses and like knock on doors and just be like, Hey, I would look at their website for like five minutes in my car. And then I would walk in and say, Hey, this is like how a video could like help your website. Like blah, blah, blah. Just spit out all these facts. I read on like some website somewhere. Uh, and I, I learned over time from doing that eventually, like we talked about, you make one video, it does really well. You make one video that does really bad. You try to remake a video that does well, so like in that situation, I'm learning like, okay, I'm making way more money for the amount of time I'm spending on these wedding videos and they're a repeatable process. Mm. I can both make more of those without me having to be directly involved and I'll make more money doing it. So it's like, yeah, I just started making more of that. Have you always been extroverted? Like, have you always been? No, dude, I was the quietest, most shy little kid like back in the day. Um, yeah, I think I think a social, being, being social and being able to conversate and stuff and, and being the on person, uh, on-camera personality has always been like a challenge for me. And I love a challenge. Mm. Uh, so becoming like sort of coming out of my shell and sharing that with the world and doing video and stuff like that uh, ha- has been a challenge. It's definitely does not come naturally. How quickly did you get to six figures on that business? Uh, one year. It took about a year. Yeah. And in the background, are you sort of like gaining a YouTube strategy that you would eventually launch with? Like what's the interplay between growing your business and then thinking about YouTube in the back of your head? Um, I don't know if there was, I don't know if there was any direct correlation. Uh, I think that learning business definitely helped me grow faster on YouTube. Um, yeah, I, 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 there wasn't any direct correlation between the two, but I think being able to monetize the channel and thinking about it in a business sense has been a huge advantage from doing business prior. Whereas I see a lot of, you know, other creators that I'm around have literally no business experience. So then they go straight into creatorship and they have no clue how to monetize it whatsoever. Totally. So yes, here's something really interesting. I, um, both Colin and I went to college. Mm -hmm. It took us much longer than a year to create a six figure business. You are a college dropout. Right. 
right now, education is getting really rattled. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I just want to have a conversation (laughs) around education and what should this next crop of young kids who, like being a creator is one of the most desirable jobs in the world. Yeah. And college now is like basically on Zoom. It's like remote learning. It's not as interactive. You're an example of someone who is able to not only, you know, become a creator, but also started a a successful business without Mm -hmm. going to college. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to kids who are making the decision right now, if they should continue with college, how it is, or if they should do something different? Yeah. It's a hard question because it's so different for every person. We were having a conversation about this yesterday. It's it's so dependent. And I'm sure you guys see this like on how you're built and how you're wired. For me, like I'm always looking for a challenge and I get up every day and I'm just like, after something and I want to be chasing after something. And if I'm not, I'm not happy. Like if I'm, if I, if I'm just relaxing, I'm not happy. I'm happiest when I'm after something, you know? Um, so I imagine somebody who's maybe not built like that. I maybe, maybe college is a good framework. Um, I can never, I don't know if I'm a great judge of who shouldn't go because I'm so built in a direction that it is completely useless for me. Like there's nothing there that I want to do and it makes me completely miserable as a human being to be there. You know, um, I think that, uh, if you're going to be a doctor, I say this a lot, probably, uh, if if you're going to be like a doctor, a lawyer, um, a nurse, anything that requires a certain skill set and knowledge base, it's a non-option. If you're doing anything outside of that college is up to you. Um, if you're graduating from high school and you have no framework by which to, by which to build your life and you have no direction, it's probably a good place to build social skills, challenge yourself, live with other people. There's all kinds of useful things that come out of it. Um, but if you have an idea, it is the perfect time to go after that idea. There is no better time than leaving high school to go after an idea, a vision, something that you wanted to do with your life. Um, why is that? there's no risk whatsoever. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You go back and live with your parents. I still think about that now. I'm 23 years old and I still think the worst thing that can possibly happen is I spend $20,000 on this video. It's everything I have and it doesn't work out and I go live with my parents and then I try again and now I'm 27 years old and I'm doing the same thing. Just wait till you get to our age. Yeah. Yeah, 31 (laughs) is a different story. Then you're like, not an option anymore. (laughs) I remember telling myself that though, when I was 22, when I moved out here to work with Samir for a YouTube channel, uh, which I knew nothing about at the time. And I had no like, you know, production background. My thought was, this is interesting. I think this is a good place to put my energy. And no matter what, four years from now, if I'm broke, I'll be 26. Does that really matter? Yeah. Right, I'll be yeah. in the same position I'm in right now, and yeah. I'll probably have learned a lot and met a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I do agree with you on, on some aspects there that like yeah. time is in your favor at that age. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. When you turn our age, when you're when you're in your thirties, you get a little bit more deliberate yeah. Yeah. Uh, about how you want to yeah. spend your time and <laughs> right. what adventures you want to go on. But yeah. hopefully, you know more. At this yeah, age. absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think that you have to always think about uh, risk versus reward too. Like, if you're gonna go do this thing, if you're gonna decide, I'm not gonna. If you're deciding, I'm not gonna do college and I'm going to go create a clothing brand. You can't create the Instagram page and get 14 followers and then just go like smoke weed with your boys all day. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're going to decide not to do that, you are signing up to do three times as much work as you would be doing in college. Oh yeah. Uh, and you have to, you have to fulfill your end of the deal. If you're going to decide, I don't have to go to college. Okay, great. But you're also assuming all of the work and risk that goes into creating something. So that's kind of my two cents on it. Yeah. I love that. I think you know, you've made a lot of waves. If we fast forward a bit um, 
to this year, mm -hmm. you've made a lot of waves on YouTube since January when you had 50 subscribers. Mm -hmm. um, obviously in the like subscriber category, like you've, you've grown faster than I think probably most channels I've seen outside of that girl with the snake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, she blew up. She she's did. here. She's local. Is she? Yeah. I thought you were about to say like, she's here. Actually, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Welcome, I, Janelle. I, I yeah. think that's the direction this show should <laughs> yeah, move. That's, yeah. This show should now move that we're filming that's it. Good. And her snake is it's here. Right yeah. Here. <laughs> um, yeah, but I haven't. I haven't seen many creators grow as fast as you grow. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So. Again, I remember watching you go up to Logan Paul at the DAZN fight. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this guy's so all in. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like this guy yeah. is all in. Mm -hmm. Like to have, to have the guts to do those types of videos, you mm. just have to really be like, basically all that matters is making the best possible video here. Nothing else yeah. matters. If there's consequences, it's okay. It's just right. best possible video. Totally. Was that like, what was your first swing like that when you first started? You have 50 yeah. subscribers. Did like you set out with that intention? Because that is YouTube in 2020. Mm -hmm. You look at like the Mr. Beastification of YouTube in yeah. a way. It's gotten so intense, sort yeah. of what you need to do for viewership. Yeah. And I look at you and I'm like, this is a guy who's willing to do that yeah. clearly. Yeah. But was that the way you thought back in January? Because I put myself in your shoes about to start a YouTube channel like that, and I look at the state of YouTube, I may go, oh man, this is nuts. Yeah. Like, what do I have to do? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I remember being terrified, and I remember thinking like, I have to come to terms with the fact that I could work very hard this year, and nothing could happen, and I could look at myself in a year from now, and have gained 10,000 subscribers maximum, and like, I will have to like, live with that, and that is what it is. Um, but I live by the saying of, I will either, like if I'm going, if I, when I decide to do something, I will either succeed or die trying. Those are the only two options in my mind. And I, that's like a very intense mindset. Uh, and I don't talk about it too much, but um, in my mind, YouTube is what I want to be doing. It's not like I want to do YouTube so that I can go be an actor. I want to be do YouTube so that I can do this. And I want to use this so it's a stepping stone. Like I want to do YouTube. So I will either become successful at YouTube or I will turn 85 years old and I'm still trying to do YouTube and I will have died trying to do what I wanted to do. Those are the only two options. Uh, so in my mind... What, what's, what's the alternative? The alternative is what, to go get a job I'd be miserable at. Like, no, I'll, I'll just uh, work and put myself in a position to try to be as successful and as lucky as possible on the platform. So there's, before we go into your current YouTube channel, I do want to address a couple things. When yeah. I first started um, on YouTube and started a YouTube channel, I think the one thing I would have loved to hear about is a creator who became successful, but who went all in at a time where they were, somewhat financially stable. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was never aware that you had a fully functioning business prior to doing this. I yeah. always speculated in my head of like, did this guy just go all in with no plan, like a yeah. no safety net? Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important note that the best entrepreneurs hedge their bets. They mm -hmm. don't mm -hmm. jump completely. Mm -hmm. They have some level of like mitigated risk. Mm -hmm. So were, was your company still like, were you pretty comfortable with the company at that point? Is that why you were able to jump or were you like, I don't know where this thing's headed. I just got to jump. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it was going into COVID and it's during wedding season it dies down completely yeah. during the winter time. So we weren't super comfortable. What, but what I did know is I had receivables throughout the year. So I knew that there would be money coming in somehow, some way. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would not have just like all of a sudden done this, but in my mind, the way I thought about it was if I make any kind of money, then I will, it's all play money. Like I'm just hedging my bet. So if I make a thousand dollars, 
I already have this income over here and that thousand dollars literally just goes straight back into the videos. That is the best way to launch a new project. Right. And that's what I think I wasn't aware of as a 21 year old starting a YouTube channel mm -hmm. was like, maybe I should have something else that's bringing in revenue. So I'm not yeah. so reliant on this YouTube channel to bring in revenue because that right. puts way too much pressure on something that needs to be experimental, right. that needs to be free flowing from a creativity standpoint. Right. I didn't understand that in my early 20s yeah. and I wish I did. So I think well, that's an important element for probably, there's probably a lot of kids who are inspired by you mm -hmm. and are like, I'm going to drop everything and try and get to a million subs. Yeah. I bet you get DMs like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's an important thing is like, if you're going to do that, make sure you have, you know, maybe you're young enough to live with your parents and not worry about money or you have something else going on that you're like, I can, I can try this because there's so many variables in launching a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. It like Huge. everything changes yeah. at Huge. all times. Like anything could happen. Huge. Huge. I do think what's important as well though, is that like you said, all you want to do is YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's not a stepping stone for you. Mm -hmm. And I think regardless of whether someone wants to use YouTube as a stepping stone or not, it's important to go hundred percent all in and understand YouTube and understand how to do it as well as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is you may end up doing other things and mm -hmm. YouTube will maybe be a huge part of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something to be said about going a hundred percent all in mm -hmm. on that one platform mm -hmm. to then do it as well as you possibly can. And then see if YouTube punches that ticket to something else. Yeah. Right. Not thinking about it immediately as, okay, this is a stepping stone to what's next. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I don't know if you think about it as a, as a medium, then I don't know if it ever actually becomes as effective as it could be. Right. If it's yeah. nothing but a step for you, I don't know if you'll find massive success on the platform. All right, so you you make this kind of commitment to YouTube in, in early 2020. What yeah. was your first big swing? Um, and how did you how did you concept it? Yeah, I think um, the the idea for me was I knew I knew that like social hacking was kind of my idea. So like what's hot right now in social media? So I would like scour every single day. I would look up all the tabloids, what's going on in mainstream media, and I would try to think of like video ideas I could attach to these concepts um, because. I just knew that a channel with 50 subscribers, and again, I watch a lot of YouTube, I consume a lot of YouTube, and I know that it's becoming harder and harder every single day that goes by to become successful in the platform. Um, so I was just thinking of things that I could attach myself to, and the first things I did was like, I lived in Atlanta, so Stranger Things was filmed there. So I went out and filmed these videos of like 24 hours living in the real Stranger Things town. And we spent the entire day driving to every filming location. And then Hawkins Lab from Stranger Things is like, five minute drive from my house. So I like found a way to sneak in there and then show the whole inside of that. And so now I'm attaching my video style, a production value that I'm confident that people will consume, a personality that I'm confident people will consume to an idea they're already familiar with, right? And so that, you know, gains me a few hundred subscribers. Um, I remember going to other Stranger Things videos and typing out comments and trying to be the top comments so that people might click back to my channel and like thumbs up something. And then, um, yeah, that worked a little bit. And then the next one was like a cyber truck based video whenever the cyber truck came out and I like built my own cyber truck, try to like tag off of that. Um, that worked way better. And I got to like a thousand subscribers and then I was like, okay, like what if I go like really YouTube? Like what if I go like super YouTube, like no more like general topic idea. Um, and yeah, Jake Paul's fight was in like a month and I thought we should try to sneak into that. So that ended up being the thing that got us to like 20,000 subscribers. I use the word us. I don't know why I do that, but you yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. That is something that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, that I think is a thing that you do that we're trying to adopt. Cool. Because when I watch your videos as a member of your audience mm -hmm. base, I feel like 
very like a very community feeling when you mm. say stuff like that. When mm. you say we, us, mm-hmm. like it is very YouTube best practices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I whenever you do it, I'm like, yes, that is cool. so YouTube and <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think when you're speaking to us, like you're speaking on behalf of the ARAC community. Mm-hmm. And that to me, um, is really cool. Like right now on the podcast, you're representing half a million people. Right, absolutely. That's how so, I feel. Yeah, That's how I yeah. feel. So inside. when you say us, I I like really believe you too. I don't cool. like because it's embedded in your videos and I love that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that makes it a really fun experience to be a part of your community. Cool. So I love that. I love that you say It's what us. makes YouTube great, right? Because yeah. as an audience member, you're a part of the journey. Absolutely. So different than watching a two hour long movie. Oh, it's the best. It's dude. the best. It's the best. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about this the other day of like, yeah. why do people, like, I have a friend, Eric Tabak, who does YouTube yeah, too. Yeah, we, yeah. Know, we know uh, Eric. We, we, met we Eric. hung out with him in New York. Oh, I love yeah. him. Uh, yeah. And he knows everything there is to know about traditional media, TV, mm-hmm. movies, all of that stuff. I know nothing about it. All I know is YouTube. And we were talking about, like, why do I love this platform so much? And it's because of the level of, like, oh, I mean, dude, you, like, on a TV show, it's all scripted or it's, a reality show and you get to see what their life is like, but not really. I mean, on YouTube, you get to cut into the center of like who that human is. You know, there's no, there is no wall between you. You're seeing directly into that human soul. And like, what is this person about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and people in the comments are so smart. YouTube commenters as just terrible as they can be. Sometimes I ask myself like about the negative comments, like, how are they that spot on? Like they can see yeah. into you and they really, really uh, can tell, you know, more totally. than you think so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so you went from that, got you around 20,000 subs. I think I remember that's when I really caught on. You had that big Dan Blazarian moment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was crazy. Which was wild. Yeah. Uh, and a pretty big video. Also very well done. Thank you. But again, I was like the guts to actually do it. Like the video idea is one thing. Yeah. But to be like, I'm going to follow through with this thing. Yeah. And the consequences, yeah. you know, whatever they are, I'm making the best possible video here. Yeah. I found that fascinating. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, I remember my flight from Atlanta to California, just my stomach just hurt so bad. And I was just like sick over thinking about like what I was about to have to do in order to make that video successful. Um, but I remember that day walking up to Dan's house and getting the alert on YouTube. I think that I just hit 10,000 subscribers or 20,000 subscribers. No, it was, I had just hit 20,000 and YouTube will email you and say yeah. like, congratulations on 10,000 subscribers. And I was so excited. Um, yeah. And I mean, I could talk all about the whole Dan Bilzerian experience. It was just psychotic. Um, but I remember sitting in the bushes, hiding in Dan Bilzerian's front yard, waiting for the party to start and thinking like, I should just get up. I should leave. I should leave. But then thinking about like, what do I want out of this? Like, why am I doing this? And thinking about like visualizing, like hit, I remember visualizing hitting 100,000 subscribers and that being so motivating to me. I thought that would be like the craziest thing to hit a hundred thousand. Um, and that is why I like stayed, made the video, went through and through and yeah, it paid off. It was it was a crazy idea, but it paid off for sure. Has that experience changed the way that you approach ideas? Like, are you, are you now a little bit more, mm. or do you feel like <laughs> as aggressive or do you feel like, yeah, I would love to know. Do you feel like you have to do crazier shit each time? Or do you feel like now that you're growing, you're building trust and you don't have to be as crazy? Yeah. Um, it's a good balance of the two. I think that I like doing crazy shit like that. I love it. Uh, adrenaline, whatever. I love it. 
you guys know Zach. So Zach kind of manages me and everything like that. And he has helped me sort of rein that in. Like that's his main job for me because I enjoy like going, making psycho videos. I really like doing crazy stuff. Um, but I have to err on the side of caution sometimes, especially like looking back at the Dambles Arian video, like getting sued for over a hundred thousand dollars. Um, potentially if I didn't do exactly what they told me to do, you definitely learn the hard way of like, Oh, there's real liability and real, yeah, real risk. Real this consequences. Isn't, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, you can you start to feel like it's not real world when yes. you're, yeah. especially for me, I, I had an interesting experience one time when we were, you know, those like open door helicopters. Yeah. Uh, we've been in them a couple times, but I was in New York and I was filming out of one and I was looking through the camera mm-hmm. and I was like, God, this is so cool. These shots are amazing. Yeah. And then I pulled the camera down and I was like, I'm connected with this little carabiner <laughs> and I'm, this thing is tilted. I'm hanging over the empire state building right yeah. now. If this thing snaps and, yeah. and then I was like, pull the camera back up. Yeah. Like that's the world I want to live in right now. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and I found that really interesting that like living in the, in the YouTube world, when you're filming, you're kind of just thinking about how like the, the, sh- the episode you're making. Yeah. You're like, Oh, mm-hmm. these shots are great. That's, that's what I'm focused on. Not oh, you necessarily. get so sucked in. You get in, really dude. sucked in. And I, I, I mean, we've never, created at that scale mm-hmm. um, that you're going for and people like Beast are going for yeah. and, and Logan. And um, I can imagine that's very intoxicating. Oh, it's, 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 it's the best drug in the world is like one doing it and then two reaping the rewards of it. So like for that video, for example, it, get, it got like a hundred thousand views in an hour. And I remember just watching the graph. I would refresh it. And every time I refresh it, I had another 10,000 views. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that will really change the way that you think about things. Like in the future, yeah. the next video you post and you get a thousand views in an hour. And then all of a sudden it's like, I have to do something to fulfill this need. And I'm just going to do something insane, you know, uh, that may not be a good thing. Yeah. When, when you look down the road, let's say you have 5 million subscribers. Yeah. What's at the core of all the videos that you're making? Yeah, I think, um, I think that the, the goal for me is to create videos um, that inspire others to create. Um, that push a positive message. If I'm pushing a negative message, it's not worth it for me uh, and things that I enjoy doing. Those are my three things that have to check the box in order for me to make a video. Um, I'm not going to make a video doing something I don't enjoy because the video is not going to be good. Um, and I've tried that before. I've tried doing collabs and forcing them and doing something I'm not really super into. doesn't work out for me personally or for the viewership. Um, yeah, doing something, what did I say? Doing something that I enjoy doing something positive. There's so much negativity on YouTube. I feel like the reaction channels are murdering it on YouTube right now. Um, <laughs> don't really watch a ton of it yeah. uh, because I just, not to offend anybody out there, it's just, uh, I feel like it's low level content. You're taking somebody else's content and recycling it for your own viewership and like grabbing onto these negative headlines, which is unfortunate. I just, um, I think the goal for me is there's so much negativity on the internet. like let's make something positive. Mr. Beast is a great example of someone who's created a really viral trend around positivity. Um, And he's proved that it's possible, yeah. How do you balance pushing positivity with doing illegal things? (laughs) 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 That's such a good question. That's such a good question. Yeah, because it's interesting you say that. I can feel from you in just meeting you, like you are a very positive person. Mm -hmm. I know you have very good intentions, Mm -hmm. but from the outside looking in, some of the things you do are like stereotypical YouTube, like negativity that someone from the outside who's maybe not a part of the community would be like, 
oh, this guy's like trespassing. He's doing like yeah. stuff. Yeah. That I think there are some videos where it's positive for someone to say like that's stupid YouTuber shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, I think it's fine. Like I would be curious to hear from you though. Yeah. But yeah, like it probably is an evolution. Yeah. What, yeah. What, how do you balance that? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I love the uh, devil's advocate too. This is, I love this stuff. Uh, it's a good, it's a good point. I think the earlier stuff, it's a lot easier to point out like negativity and stuff like that. Um, I think in my mind there, my goal is always, and I may not be successful at this. My goal is always, I might break the law. I might, uh, break some rules or something like that. But the goal at the end is to always tie it up into something that is, uh, by nature positive. Um, so if it's like, for example, asking Logan Paul for a job. Yeah, I'm going to like do all these rules and break these rules. I'm not going to hurt anybody. The intention is not, I'm not going to put anybody else in danger. I'm not going to put myself in danger. Uh, the goal is to create something positive, which is the most audacious uh, ask, for a, ask for employment that anybody has ever seen. Um, both beneficial for him and for me. That's the goal. And to also create a video that pulls people in and like gives people an enjoyment in their day. Mm. Um, I think that there, you're right. There is negativity mixed in there though, right? Of like breaking the rules and laws and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think at a, you have to recognize that the world glances. Yeah. It doesn't read. Yes. So that means that at a glance, yeah. when I look at your channel, yeah. what you don't want to be associated with is jumping on top of news. Yeah, trucks. absolutely. But even if it's not exactly the same, there's probably some level of correlation that you have to balance mm -hmm. and, and be careful about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but it's also like, depending on which direction, like I, I, again, I feel from you that you want to be positive and you have good intentions and you mm -hmm. want people to feel inspired because mm -hmm. your message is inspiring. Mm -hmm. The concept of doing something that feels somewhat impossible, getting to a million subs in a year, mm -hmm. to me, that feels impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Watching you do it has yeah. made me realize if you do, if you really commit yourself to it, mm -hmm. it's possible. Yeah. That's a great message. Yeah. Watching someone take initiative is so powerful. Yeah. Because it gets you to take initiative. You're like, all right, there's someone doing it in front of my face. Mm -hmm. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I like, think that's the goal. And that's so, one of the best things about, I think, watching your channel and watching YouTube. I think you have an opportunity to create like a goal setting community yeah. where it's like, not everyone's trying to get to a million subs, but what is their version of a million subs? Cool. Right. And it's like, that's where I think you can create a community that encourages each other and gives you kind of like the guidance to achieve the goals that feel that's cool. out of the spectrum of reality. And I think that helps bring in some of the positivity as well um, to make sure that it's always like driven home that like, yes, like I'm doing some crazy stuff, but like the goal is to just achieve the impossible. Yeah. You know, or w w against all odds. That's against your, all yeah, odds. against all yeah. odds. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the videos that I was most impressed with you, um, this is a segue, but yeah. one of the videos I'm most impressed was your, when you talked about the lawsuit and you were unboxing the merchandise. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and that might feel odd that yeah. I was like so excited by that video, but yeah. it was the first time I saw you not doing something crazy. Mm. And I watched it all the way through and I was like, this guy's engaging on camera without having to do something crazy. Cool. And I that's when that. I was really impressed. Cause that's when I was like, oh, you have a lot of legs as a creator. Mm. Um, you also did it recently when you made a video, you like sit at a park bench and you explain why you're not gonna take the opportunity to move into the Team 10 house. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you, this format of you, this version of you, I actually really enjoy. That pulls you in. Yeah. That's so and, interesting. And I uh, would be curious if your audience, you know, would say the same. Um, but those sit down moments when you're just talking, I find you to be uh, interesting and fun to watch and entertaining. Mm -hmm. And that's like true YouTube, right? Like mm. the people who can sit in front of a camera and entertain me with yeah. jump cuts for six minutes yeah. or 10 minutes. That's like, 
That's I w- YouTube. I want to add to that though, because I've been, I found that too, that I enjoy just watching you sitting at your desk mm-hmm. and talking, but I realized there's so much more going on. You're such a visual storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like there will be a graphic yeah. at one point while you're talking, there will be text uh, as if they were like subtitles to drive a point home. Mm-hmm. There'll be a slow push into your mm-hmm. face as you're talking, as you're talking, there's never a dull moment. Mm. Uh, and I think that's super important for people who are interested in YouTube. Yeah. It's like, even if you're sitting at a desk talking, like find a way to get visual, yeah. right? Like you're talking about visual things yes, and figure out what it is you need to show (laughs) to drive your point across. And that's something that I think you do really well. And in that unboxing, this is something that we talk about in our uh, online storytelling course, which is a plug because this is our podcast, um, (laughs) (laughs) is dual narrative storytelling. So that means like when you're, you're unboxing your merchandise while you're talking to me about the lawsuit, Mm. there's, there's a plot A and plot B that Mm. are both happening. One of them is visual. One of them is audio, right? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So I just think you, you like, you know, all the best practices, like there's only a handful of people who can do what you're doing right mm-hmm. now. And it's because mm-hmm. they're students of the platform, right? Like you've stu- it's obvious you're obsessed with YouTube. Yeah, I am. Right? Yeah, I watched so much of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, you know, you pick and choose the top creators, what they're doing, right. Mm-hmm. And you implement it into what mm-hmm. you're doing, yeah. which is really cool. The, I appreciate the, that the thing that Colin and I connected on with your couch series mm-hmm. was like, we love multi-episodic series cool because you tee it up with like this act one, which is video one. And then the act two of the video plays out over three, four episodes. And it's right. like, it ables, it's, it's able to like create momentum and like culminate in this unbelievable experience. So I thought that was really impressive. And I'm, I'm excited to see what you do with the boat now that you're kind of doing it part two. Yeah. 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 I'm um, excited to see what we do with the boat too. It yeah. should be fun. So, the couch series, I kind of want you to explain it if people yeah. don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, but I'm, and at the same time, up to you if you want to disclose, but I'm yeah. curious how much that brand on episode one yeah. wanted to invest in that with you, with it being kind of an out of the box idea yeah. that you don't know if it's going to work and you don't know how many views it's going to get. Yeah. Uh, so I can, that was probably the craziest thing. It was one of the craziest things I've ever done. Uh, the couch series was basically a series where um, I purchased Logan Paul's legendary $90,000 Mercedes-Benz couches. And he listed them on Craigslist. He was trying to get somebody to buy them off of his like Instagram stories. And I thought that that, and I had done some stuff with Logan in the past. And I thought that that would be a great way to create an episodic series, which like, like you guys, I love those. And I think that they are a great way to grow viewership on the channel. Um, so we spent, uh, I had a different manager at the time, David, who was the man. And we spent two weeks uh, pitching my channel at the time I had a hundred thousand subscribers, uh, and pitching it, trying to get these couches, which I negotiated down to $17,500. And we were trying to get $17,500 worth of sponsorships for the video. Uh, what we basically got was $15,000 spread out over five videos with no money up front. So I was going to have to buy these couches. I did not have at the time 17. Well, I did, but I didn't I, it was put away. It's like Roth IRA money. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't have $17,000 cash, like liquid. So what I did was, again, high risk, high reward. Uh, I took out an SBA loan no. for $17,500. Uh, I opened an LLC called Arak and Associates LLC, uh, which I thought, I thought it was a funny name because it's just me. <laughs> uh, and then I went to the bank the next day and applied for an SBA loan of $17,500 got it a day later, cashed the entire thing out in, in 20s. Uh, so I had $17,500 in cash, packed it in a backpack, bought a flight to LA, and got a U-Haul, uh, bought a fake California phone number and was communicating with his, uh, 
with his assistant and told them that we were uh, professional furniture buyers. Uh, and then we had a, we had a undisclosed client that we were going to buy these couches for. It was going to be like a perfect fit for their bar area. We were just filling in their house in Bel Air. It was going to be awesome. Uh, and they fully believed everything. So basically showed up at Logan's house, uh, with the 17 grand, uh, bought the couches and everything goes down. You guys can see that, see that in the video. And then we leave. And I remember thinking to myself, before we went in, like, I hope that he doesn't accept this so that I can just put this money back in the bank and like undo all of this because this is like so much risk. It makes my stomach hurt. Like I'm going to have to do so much work to make up for this. You know, that's so much faith in a concept for a title and a thumbnail. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's 20 grand worth of, I believe in this title thumbnail. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which was, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you and say like, I was like 100%. I know this is going to pay off. I didn't know. Like I thought it probably would like buying Logan Paul's 90,000. Are the couches like relevant enough? Are enough people going to know what I'm talking about? Like, what is the title? What is the thumbnail? You know? And like, did you come up with the title and thumbnail beforehand? Or did you have like a good? Yeah, I I had a general idea. I always try to think title and thumbnail first. I say that I always say the title and thumbnail are more important than the video. You guys know that. You guys talk about it. We agree. Um, Yeah. So then I uh, dropped them off at Tanner Fox's uh, warehouse, which I had never met. He just hit me up on Instagram one time and said, hey, love your videos. Keep at it. And I was like, this is the only guy I know with any warehouse space. I don't know another human in all of California. And FaceTime him. He says, he's like, what? And it eventually lets me drive down there, drive the U-Haul down, drop them off. We meet for the first time, which stems this great friendship that I now have with Tanner. Uh, I fly back home and I am terrified. I could play a video for you guys right now where I, I literally videoed myself before I hit the upload button. And I was like, I think I just made the biggest mistake of my entire life. And I think that I made this video and it's going to get 50,000 views and it's going to be, I'm going to have to figure out how to pay this money back. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, but I'm gonna hit it anyway. We'll see what happens. So I wait for Logan to upload his video. I'm talking to Hayden, his editor. He presses upload. I press upload. I put a call to action in the video to try to get people to comment on his video call saying vote air act 2020. And then people start looking me up and yeah, the rest is history. It turned into a really successful series after that. Social hacking. Yeah. So that was a big risk. Um, but yeah, high risk, high reward, I guess. That's amazing, man. Like I, I, I think, yeah, I remember the way that played out. And I remember the timing of it, like mm-hmm. the timing of when you published the video, mm-hmm. because it was perfect. Like that, that's mm-hmm. smart. That was yeah. really smart that when you're doing a collaboration like that, mm-hmm. it's really smart. Why do you think um, a creator like Logan, like through that whole experience, like what made the collaboration valuable to their side or like what, yeah. cause you're featured in their video. I mean, obviously that probably helps. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people ask us about collaborations. Like how do you, yeah, I get a questions about it all the time for the same reason, because I'm usually collaborating with people like way bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I always tell people is if you're going to try to do a collaboration, you have to create a situation where they win bigger than you do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for Logan, I just made his life so much easier by creating all the content that he needed and paying for all of his content for that day. So for that week's vlog, I paid for his content. It was on me. I literally flipped the bill for his content uh, and made it for free. And all he did, he didn't have to leave his house. He didn't have to do anything special. I showed up at his house. I do this big scene with a bunch of money in my hands, very clickbaity, easy to do. I fix a problem for him, a literal problem of having these couches he wanted to get rid of so bad. Um, Yeah. And I solved like three problems for him and created problems for me, which problems can equal content, you know? Mm. Um, same thing with like ZHC. Like we did a video with CHC. He was really incredible guy. Zach's awesome. Um, but 
very difficult to collaborate with, gets 20 million plus views on his videos. And the way I got in contact with him was I literally DM'd him the title and thumbnail of the video. So I DM'd him customizing Logan Paul's $90,000 couches. Like, let's make this video. And that, he has millions and millions of followers on Instagram. And that was what got through to him. Uh, Just because he knows. Are you you verified? Am I verified? No, I'm not verified. How do you think that got through to his DMs? Um, I don't know. I had I'm just a, looking through. His I had DMs a couple friends hit. poke him. I don't know if it was ever successful. Interesting. But uh, you know what? Two days later, he got back to me and was like, "Yeah, this actually sounds really fun. I would love to do yeah. it." Yeah, it totally is speaking a language, right? You get pitched. Yes. If we got pitched a good title thumbnail, it'd be far better than a two paragraph email. Oh, there's mm-hmm. nothing worse than the yeah. two. Par- I mean, I got to be honest. Everyone who sent us a, a multi page <laughs> email, it's like one click. Can't do it. Nope, can't do it. Yeah, can't. can't. Do it. Don't have the time to read that. That's what, I, and I try to preach it in the videos because I do want like my. Yeah fan base and like my people and like people on YouTube trying to make it, I do want to collaborate with those people. Um, so I try to preach it in my videos of like, this is what you guys should be doing to try to reach out and collaborate with people. I definitely think you could create a guide course, something about cold outreach. Yeah. Uh, that's not sneaking into someone's house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But you have some tactics that yeah. have worked and like that, what you just said mm-hmm. is a theory around cold outreach, which right. is creating more value for them. Right. They have to come out on top. Right. You have to make it very easy. Like you have to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. You, any problems that arise have to lay on you. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like a checklist. Yeah. It's like a checklist that you mm-hmm. could create again. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's where you can kind of support your positivity mission uh, at the end of your videos. Be like, this was crazy. I can't believe I got in touch with this person. If you're trying to reach out to someone to get a job or something yeah. like that, here's a checklist to, Yeah, you know, that's cool. Like, I think that's where you can then spin it into like being an educator. Yeah. Um, and like, first it's like this big spectacle, but it's like not everyone, you don't even want everyone to be doing that. You don't want everyone to go to Logan's house and like do all this stuff. Like, but you do want to inspire them to do something that's out of their comfort zone or that's out of their realm of what they think is possible. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% so I agree. think that's really cool. Cause you like watching you over the past eight months, you've collaborated with almost like all the big names, right? Yeah. Like the, you know, Logan, uh, Dobrik, yeah. you're in a video with him, ZHC, like, I feel like Beast is probably next. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's on the, he's you. on the docket. Yeah. Uh, I think doing something also with like an, like one of the TikTokers would be funny. I could see you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? well, yeah. It's Just on the docket. foreshadow. Me and Alex Warner on the phone on the way over here. So we got a little something cooking cool. for the people. So there you I go. agree. That's a whole nother world. I haven't even, a whole that's a whole nother world. world, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Have you, have you, you guys have done some videos on that. Yeah, we, we've yeah. talked to, not like the big talkers, TikTokers, yeah. I don't know what to call them, the hype housers or the, any, any of those, like the sway guys. Um, but we've talked to like creators in like the 2 million range, cool. just about like how they're making money on TikTok and stuff like that. Cause that fascinates us. Yes. I um, watch your videos on the TikTok stuff because yeah. I feel like I'm so out of the loop and having yeah. to like learn. That's a whole new platform, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you guys do a good job, like making that simple for a small mind like me to understand. Thanks, man. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's yeah. been cool. Um, yeah. I feel like that's an interesting frontier. I think Emma Chamberlain interests me. We've tried to collaborate yeah. with her a couple of times. Really? Like, yeah. I, she just interests me a lot because she's uh, she's launching so many different businesses. Like she's got a coffee company. She just launched an uh, idea planner. She's like this really interesting person who's uh, crossed over to mainstream, yeah. especially in the fashion world, yeah. but with like lo-fi vlogging. Like you would never imagine that, that you'd no. be high fashion with lo-fi vlogging. Yes. Have you watched her TikToks? Yeah, of course. They're amazing because yeah. she'll follow a TikTok dance trend, yeah. but she'll do it as unenthusiastically yeah. as possible. 
and but it will her, get millions. Yeah. Of oh, yeah, millions six of million. It's, almost, views, it's arguably yeah. more fascinating to watch yeah. her barely do the dance. Like they're so hard to do, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's amazing. Uh, She'll just like barely move. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's a fascinating creator. Do you she upload is. your stuff to TikTok? I did for a while, and it does very well on there. But, yeah, uh, I feel like it would do great. Like, yeah, I need to do it. Skydiving a couch is insane. That one did well. I, I yeah, think it that, got like four or five million views and yeah. they do well. I just, it, it becomes, it's like a whole nother. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed sky, it. I'm well, glad you enjoyed yeah. Cause I know I've been to that skydive place. Oh, you have? Yeah. Cool. And uh, we went for Amar's uh, 25th birthday. We cool. went skydiving there and yeah. I know that sky van, like I was familiar <laughs> with that whole situation. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane that they're letting you do this. Oh, you wouldn't believe the amount of so, work. So to go back into your videos, yeah, yeah. one thing that I think about a lot, and sometimes you bring it up, but like you edit really well. Like you're, you're a great storyteller in the way that you bring us through the process. You keep like the stakes rising over time. It's like, it's all very, very good storytelling, agnostic of if it's a YouTube video or not. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that's interesting to me is like, this, this stuff has to take a really long time. Yeah. Like, when from an edit perspective. No, I mean, from a production standpoint, like when you're unsure and you have to sit there and convince people to let you skydive a couch. Yeah. That's got to take a while, it's a right? Month process, yeah, yeah. But you're like actually at one of the skydive places and they say no. Yeah. Right? Yeah, correct. And then you the have to up. then yeah. try and figure out how to get someone to say yes. There was another video where you had to find a pool and you couldn't find a, a blow oh up pool gosh. anywhere. Yeah, it's I the was worst. like, like if I'm Colin glad you and enjoy I, that. Yeah, if ahead. Colin and I are making this video, the pool video, I thought about this because you guys are in a parking lot at one point and you're like, we can't find a pool. If Colin and I are in that situation, we're looking at each other and being like, ah, all right, let's try another video. <laughs> yeah. Like, like hours and hours and hours into yeah. trying to find an inflatable pool. There's yeah. some point where a lot of people are probably like. All right, let's hang it up. Yeah. But you don't have that in you. No, again, I, it goes back to the either succeed or die trying thing. You know, like I have this video in mind and I will either succeed or it will be tomorrow before I try. You know, it'll mm -hmm. be just tomorrow and the party's over and I can no longer do this video. You know, uh, I think it's like, the, it's interesting that you say that because those are my least favorite moments is when I have to like, of course, like improvise and spend hours like. I don't know. I literally don't know what's happening right now. I'm trying to make a video and I don't know if it's even going to happen. And those are my least favorite moments. But I think for some reason people, that's that it, it adds so much to the story. So I have to remind myself of that when I'm in those situations of like very high stress and uh, anxiety that, yeah, this is all for the story. I have to mm -hmm. almost put myself back into YouTube and think like, okay, this is all adding value to the video. I know this is miserable right now, but it's adding value to the video. Um, yeah, which is, which is hard to remember sometimes. How many videos do you have going on at one time? Uh, we're usually, we're usually making calls and producing like a, like about a month out. Um, okay. I, it's it, just you and Mac right now. Just me and Mac. Zach's helping out with some stuff now along with some stuff there. So they're really, they've really, it's really been cool now that I'm in LA and everything to have them help. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times it is just me talking to people on the phone because that's the way it comes across in video. If, if Zach is reaching out to people, it's not going to translate the same way that it does me trying to convince somebody on the phone, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And now, you know, you, you took out the, like, now you're just like stamped as like, you are a YouTube creator Yeah. in probably in your mind, you're like, I'm going big. I mean, if I had this type of growth, mm -hmm. I would be like, yeah, I'm all in like mm -hmm. half a million subs. How many views has the channel done? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know the number on that. I feel like it's probably between like 15 to 20 million. 
somewhere in there. It's a lot of views and you've monetized since day one. I've monetized since day one. So that's been very helpful. What does your AdSense look like? Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you guys get it? Do people like that are listening like know about CPM and all that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Can I talk about that? Yeah. Please. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So my CPM is probably around like five bucks. Oh, interesting. Um, that's so like, pretty good. Yeah, like yeah. four and a yeah. half to like five bucks a video. Um, yeah, and I probably, I probably AdSense made like, 30 grand, 40 grand through all those videos. But you have to think that like me personally, I haven't seen a penny of that to my own account. Like the videos that you see are merited by that amount of, like all of that money has literally hits in a a separate bank account, Eric and Associates bank account. (laughs) That's still open. It's still, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's (laughs) my my real business bank account. Uh, And all of that money, I look at that account as literally this is just like, betting money. What can I use to bet this on to like increase growth, increase growth, increase growth. Um, yeah. So none of that money actually. And the reason you're able to do that is because you're paying yourself and your expenses through your receivables from your other business. Correct. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes I'll use spot, like, uh, you know, and we're using sponsorships and stuff to kind of pay that stuff too now. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what AdSense looks like. So did the Logan, did the couch video, like you're nervous, you're, you're stressed about taking out that SBA loan. Yeah. Did that video, it skyrocketed to what, 2 million views? Yeah, like, like 2.1, something like that. Did you make enough money on AdSense to feel comfortable of like, okay, this is like, I'm going to be all right here? Uh, the AdSense on that video did not pay for the couch by any means, but we maxed out every sponsorship on that. So those were CPM based sponsorships. Mm-hmm. So, which means like, I only get paid if I get views. Like, those, there was no guarantee on oh, those sponsorships. Interesting. Like, those were not flat rate. It was like, if I get 100,000 views, I'm making 1,000 bucks and I will be screwed. Uh, so we, but they also had ceilings. So we maxed out every one of those sponsorships, made the full five, 15 K, um, and That's paid for awesome. most of the couch that way. And so plus AdSense, yeah, that paid for itself. That's great. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you have a yacht. Yeah. Yeah. I do a 27 <laughs> foot yacht. It's right. actually bright pink now. So, right. Yeah. So, and you're about to embark on another multi-episodic series. Yeah. That's the idea. I love that. I love the way you do it where it's like, um, the audience gets to vote on what you do with the yacht yeah. and the top comment gets yeah. done. Like yeah. that's so cool to me. Yeah. Um, you do a really good job of integrating uh, your Instagram account. Oh, Which cool. is something that we've started to do. Yeah, I've re- started to study your videos and I realized yeah. like every minute and 30 seconds, you integrate some other part of your brand. Yeah. Whether it's your Instagram or merch or yeah. making sure someone comments or subscribes. Like that was a lot of motivation for us in terms of like, we understand YouTube best practices, but we were looking, your videos were just putting it right in front of our face. Oh, I love and it. And I was like, okay, let's, let's be better at that. Yeah. Let's track. Absolutely. Is that like your marketing mind? Do you think? Um, I don't really, honestly, I think that, uh, I try, I really do try to not ask for anything. I try to, I say that like, you're not going to get a whole, the, the, I say the audience will give you whatever you want. So if you ask for like Instagram followers, the audience will give you Instagram followers. Like if you, if you ask for subscribers, they'll give you subscribers. If you want, conversions to merch and you want money in your bank account, they'll give you that. They will absolutely give it to you. But you, if you ask for like all three, you will receive almost nothing. So like, what is your main thing? Like, what are you not asking for? And like, what's your main ask? So trying to integrate the, you know, Instagram stuff and other brand stuff, like sort of in the background, but not saying, Hey, you should make sure you go follow me. Well, that's what I thought was interesting. It wasn't necessarily a break in the video. So you could ask people to follow your Instagram. It was, I sourced this or I asked you on my Instagram. Yeah whether I should go left or right. Yes. So it was part of the video. It yes. added value. Right. Absolutely. It wasn't necessarily just out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and even 
there was a section of one of your videos where you asked people to subscribe in the middle and it cuts and you're on a skateboard and I, it's like a moving shot mm-hmm. and it was, or on a boosted board. It was so visually interesting yeah. that I, and it, I just didn't even care that you were like taking a break to ask me to subscribe. Yeah. And I was like, this is actually a better part of the video. And it, it, it's what you should be doing with a brand integration, right? Mm-hmm. Like you should be making the video better. Yes. And I thought it was fascinating. You're repping your own brand and you chose to make it better than the other, than the other parts of the video, yeah. uh, which is something again that inspired us. I was like, Oh, if we're going to ask people to subscribe, let's put some effort into that section of the video. Yeah. Right. No, I love like it. It's like your own ad read. It's your own ad read. Yeah. So like step up to the yeah. plate and make it interesting. Yeah, it's so I remember uh, something that has driven me to do that is I talked to Jeff from Logan's team and they talked about, he talked to me briefly about how much money they said no to on sponsorship deals and stuff like that and like paid ad space on his videos in order to promote his own brand, in order to build brand equity on Maverick clothing, right? Like hundreds of millions of dollars in ad space, every single day of video getting tens of millions of views. They said no to every person who ever tried to sponsor one of those videos and bet on their own brand to build brand equity. And they made their own ads. And that's Logan just pushing merch, pushing merch, pushing merch, pushing merch. Like. That it, he created his own $100 million marketing campaign in his own videos and said no to everything else because he believed so much in what he was creating outside of that. So like, yeah, I think about like your whole video is, uh, is potential for ad space, especially you guys have what, 100, 200,000 subscribers. Like your whole video is ad space in my mind. And like, right. so what do you want to fill that with? Mm-hmm. Obviously there has to be content, but That's yeah. a great, yeah, that's a great note. So from a business perspective, where does Iraq and Associates <laughs> Go. Are you bringing like, on associates? Yeah. Like, how do you view how do you view this growing? Like, how does this become your career? How do you yeah. become financially secure doing this? Like, what's yeah? Again, you're 23, so you got a lot of time. But yeah. like, what's your what's your vision on on it from a business perspective? Yeah. Um, well, so Mac uh, is a character in the videos. He's also a videographer and editor for the videos, which is super helpful for me now. Um, so that's the first associate, if we want to call him that. <laughs> nice. Shout he, out, uh, Mac. <laughs> yeah, he actually dropped out of film school to come do this. He was like the he was like the top guy at his film school and dropped out to come do this, which is uh, wow. very exciting. He's no he, better film school than a YouTube channel. I'll yeah, exactly. I mean, Colin didn't go to film school. Yeah, he's totally. not. No. Oh yeah, no, yeah. did not go to. Did film you go school. to film school? Yeah, I did. You did. Yeah, I'm okay. a film school guy. I was yeah. an economics and Italian. But he's major. our like primary, <laughs> and then just completely switched. Yeah. Really? Yeah, when I got out. But yeah. Colin's the primary storyteller, editor, everything on on the channel. Yeah, but so. I'm yeah. fully just taught yeah. by watching and failing, mm-hmm. like yeah. watching other YouTube channels and messing up on my own YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so the business. Yes, yeah, yeah business-wise. The goal, I've, I've, I've said this since the beginning, uh, the goal for me is 20 million subscribers in five years. That's the goal, that's where I wanna be. Um, so whatever it takes to get there, I, 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 you know, I think the goal for me is to set that and then to do something, to do three to five things every single day that are gonna get me closer to that goal. Um, if that's implementing a new strategy, if that's uploading a video, if that's making five new ideas every single day, what are like some strategies that I can do every single day that are going to get me closer and increase my likelihood of becoming lucky to end up in that position? Um, Yeah, so that's the goal. I think that when you have 20 million subscribers, you don't have to worry about a whole lot business-wise or financially. Um, So I know if I continue to grow those numbers, the way that I know how to grow the numbers, um, the business will sort of take care of itself. Nice. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Would you ever launch a, a Patreon or YouTube only, membership? OnlyFans. Only fans. <laughs> uh, there was some OnlyFans talk before we started. Uh, I, uh, I'm definitely interested in it. I think I'm interested in what you were talking about earlier about kind of, um, I, what I do think is interesting is watching Casey Neistat grow 
or David Dobrik grow or Logan Paul and Jake Paul grow and never seeing the behind the scenes of that. So what I'm really interested in is providing insight into what does it actually look like and what is behind the scenes of creating a quickly growing YouTube channel? Because mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody's ever opened that window before. Yeah, I think some people have tried. Um, there's a company called Watcher right now that's run by some ex-BuzzFeed guys. Yeah. And they have a Patreon show that's... Um, basically like the startup podcast of them starting. It's not a exact, it's a YouTube channel, but it's like a broader business. More like a media company. It's more of a media company. They're creating YouTube shows, but they're also making traditional formats. Like, but it's a bunch of YouTube guys doing it. Really well done, uh, super well produced. It's the first time I've ever seen where like, they're all sitting and like they press upload on a YouTube video and yeah. then they second guess like the title and like look at the description. And it, yeah. it was just so normalizing. And I was telling Colin in 10 years, I've never watched this experience and this is all I want to watch. Like I yeah. want to watch other people going through the same experience as us. Yes. Um, watching, being here and watching Yes Theory do what they do, like watching them come up with ideas, watching them upload videos, watch yeah. them uh, title videos, change titles. That taught us a ton. Cool. That taught us a ton. So I think- Those are smart guys. Yeah, I think scaling that observation is really smart. Cool. Because there's so many aspirational creators who actually have no idea what- what it looks like to be a full-time creator. Mm -hmm. Like even the concept of having to sit here and like craft a title before you go anywhere else, right? Before yeah. you even pick up a camera, craft a thumbnail. What does that process look like, you know? Yeah. What does it look like when you're making decisions? What does it look like where you've invested four days into a video and you're like, is it not gonna work? Yeah. You know, like there's, there's a lot of decision-making that would be really interesting and a lot of self-doubt. Totally. Like you said, you filmed a video being like, is this the end of my, like, did I just make the worst decision of my life taking out an SBA loan to do this? Yeah. Um, that a, is interesting to me. So I think that's a great idea. I like yeah. that. It's just such an interesting skill set to grow because again, like you're just trusting your gut. Like you're taking out a small business loan to buy someone else's couches yeah. to then make a video about them. There's no way to reassure anyone, including yourself, that this is an idea that's going to have a return. Zero. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's it's so just, based on your gut. Yeah. It's confidence Do, in the platform. What do your parents think? Dude, they don't, I mean, they don't really get it. They think it's really cool. And like their friends will tell them that I'm doing something and they like think it's interesting. They kind of watch the videos now. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't know about the SBA loan stuff. They don't know about it. Well, any now they do. Yeah, I hope you're not watching. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I, I, I get a lot of inspiration from, uh, do you guys know Nathan for you? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, Nathan yeah, for you. So funny. Uh, and the lengths that he goes to for videos, right. I, it's so inspiring to me. Mm. And like the way he'll spend months around production, that is a version where you're seeing a window into how something insane mm -hmm. comes to real fruition. And that is so interesting to me. So I mm -hmm. think um, yeah, that's cool. creating around that could be pretty cool. So you're a social hacker. I would say you're like a growth hacker. You've done a great job marketing yourself, growing your audience, mm -hmm. um, getting yourself in all the right rooms to, to be where you are. What advice would you give us to grow faster? Oh man, dude, I feel like you guys give me so much advice. I watch every video. Uh, uh, the best advice, I think that you guys, we talked about it a little bit before, but you guys have uploaded, I, I, this has been a great month for you guys, right? Um, I love, my favorite videos are like the Mr. Beast videos, the ones where you guys, the Mr. Beast video was great. Any video where you're talking through like the monetary, how does this work? Because I think that that stems, yes, creators actually use that information to make real decision, but also the people watching their favorite creators want to know how much money they're making. It's like you look up Eric, you look up Mr. Beast, you look up any name, net worth. 
right? That's like the next thing for every famous person ever, right? Like we all want to know. And you guys are kind of like breaking that down. And you guys are so clear about your numbers. It makes, um, yeah, it, it's upsetting that if you type in Colin and Samir, net worth isn't on there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very telling. It's not, yeah. it's not on not there. Yet. Not, not, not yet. yet. Not it's yet. not on there. I, I know that there's some people who like uh, have like, have tried to hack that and like get a ton of people to type that in so that it is something that comes up, but <laughs> that's not something people spend yeah. their time doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah not, people. not us yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Um, We're not at Iraq and associates level. Yeah, yet. Not, not yet, dude. When yeah. you, when you guys get some associates and we actually have one right here. We do have an associate. associate. Yeah. We do. But have yeah, no, I, I love when you guys make stuff about, um, the, uh, behind the scenes of YouTube. Uh, and I think, whatever worked for you guys last month, do two more of those the next month. So if yeah. you make one thing that's successful next month, make two and next month, make two of whatever was most successful between those two things and just keep going off of the last most successful thing and um, chasing what people are interested in. Yeah. So let's say we were to make a video about your Logan Paul couch series. Yeah, sure. $17,500, right? Yeah. Was the loan. You were able to pay it back with brand sponsorships, right? Yeah, correct. I, I would love to know how that panned out though. Uh, financially. So like you paid that back. Yeah. Did you then make money in AdSense and then like gain subscribers? Like yeah. where did you net out after that series was over yeah. uh, financially and yeah. also just from a channel perspective? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, I probably, so that the, the brand deals paid for the couch. I also spent $5,000 on plane tickets and rental cars and this, that, and the other to make that whole series. And then I spent another $6,000 dropping it out of an airplane. And I spent all the, I mean, yeah, the, the series probably cost $30,000. Um, so the first 15 paid for the first half, but then I had, once I was done with the couch series, I had a whole other 15 to make up. Um, I probably broke even on that series, like beginning of last month. So like beginning of July after doing like a Skillshare deal, um, and the AdSense from that, that month helped a bunch. Once I got the AdSense check from the last couch series month, that then netted out. So it took me probably 60 days to net out from the couch series. That's not that bad. Not so bad. That's pretty good. Not yeah. so bad. Not no, so bad. That's pretty I bad. felt very fortunate yeah, to net out. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it felt great paying, paying that loan back with like no interest because I paid it back in 60 days. Yeah. Those are normally $300 payments over the course of the next 10 years. So in and out. You know what I mean? So now you're making money on the couch series. Now we're making money on the couch series. You guys go back and make sure you go watch it. Give me a couple pennies here and there. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Eric from Eric and associates, yes, yes, sir. uh, joined us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. What a pleasure. Uh, this is like your official welcome to LA, I guess. I hope you come around more often. Of course. Uh, obviously this is now part of your like neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, so if they don't know where to find you, yeah. where do they find you? Uh, you can find me Arak on every platform. A I R R A C K. Uh, got that name because I was trying to get Eric, and I, you know, that handle was taken on Instagram back in the day. So it's just the best I could do. So Arak on every platform. What can they expect? Like what's uh, next? You can expect premium content every single week. That's what you can expect. Uh, whatever that means to you, however you infer that, it's up to your it's up to it's up to your decision. But um, yeah, you can tune in every week for premium content. Good stories every week. Good stories every single. Maybe that's better. You guys tell me what I need to say here. <laughs> we'll workshop. Good stories yeah. we'll every workshop single week. Your plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right.
That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Thanks again to Eric for joining us. Definitely go check him out if you haven't already. We had a great time chatting with him and hanging out with him here at our new studio in LA. And we hope that this inspired you to progress on your journey to a million, whatever that may be. It doesn't necessarily have to be YouTube subscribers. It could just be some impossible dream or seemingly impossible dream that you now want to take some steps to achieve. Now, I just want to end the episode giving a huge shout out to all of you guys who have purchased our course. It's honestly so amazing and so cool to see all the support that we've gotten from you guys uh, to wake up in the morning, open up our Slack channel, and just chat with you guys about ideas. It's it's really something that's a dream come true for Colin and I. You know, again, our mission is to educate and empower the next generation of storytellers and give you guys the tools to tell your own stories. So it's a really exciting thing for us to actually have gotten our first educational course out there, um, getting the feedback from all of you. Definitely want to do it again. If you haven't already, go over to YouTube and check out the video version of this podcast. Leave a comment on what you think about these podcast videos. Should they be full length on YouTube? Should they be clips? And what do you want to see behind the paywall on Patreon? Now, additionally, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers on this channel so that we can get a vanity URL, uh, which means basically it would be like youtube.com slash Colin and Smear podcast. So make sure you hit subscribe on that channel as well. So let us know what you thought about this episode. Is the audio different? Does it sound better? Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again to Rode for sending us these microphones that we're using. And we'll catch you right here on the next episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.